Hello, New Hope Eugene. What an honor it is for us to be here. My name is Chris. This is my beautiful wife of 34 years, Lisa. And uh, we really feel like it's a privilege for us to be able to share the word of God with you today. We just want to say how much we appreciate this church, how grateful we are for your impact in this community, uh, for the time that you've been here. And, and your staff are dear friends to us. We love Pastor Aaron and Paula. Uh, of, of course, uh, Pastor Brandon and Joy, Aaron and Paula serve on our board of Discover Church Planting and Pacific Open Bible. And then, of course, Joy serves on our Discover Church Planting board as well. And uh, so we're so grateful. And then also on your team is uh, a newly credentialed DCP pastor, Dwayne Peters. So we have a great connection to this church. And we're so thankful for your partnership with us over the years as a uh, Discover Church Planting and with Open Bible. So it's really an honor for us to be here today. We're going to be speaking out of Mark chapter 6 today. And uh, we're going to be talking about the sufficiency of Jesus, that he is not only enough, but he is more than enough. And we're living in a time right now, of course, when there's so much that we can't do, so much that we don't have, things we used to have or we are familiar to us that have changed now because of this pandemic and because of all the things that are happening. I don't need to tell you that. You probably don't even want to hear me say that. You certainly don't want to be living in that right now. But things are different. I mean, we can't watch things we used to watch. We can't even watch the Oregon Ducks get beat by the Washington Huskies. And so it's just a difficult time right now. Uh, by the way, we're from the Seattle area, if you didn't notice. So uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to talk just a, a little bit about Jesus in the midst of whatever it is we have or don't have being more than enough. Let me give you just a little background on Mark chapter 6 before we get into the story. We'll be in Mark chapter 6 starting in verse 30, but in the beginning of Mark chapter 6, Jesus has gone into his hometown. Now up to this point, Jesus had been ministering and laying his hands on people and they've been healed and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And at the beginning of March, Mark 6, he goes into his hometown of Nazareth. And the scripture says that because that's the place he grew up, people just knew him as Jesus. He's the son of the carpenter. He just, they just knew him as you know, their friend or this kid that grew up there. And so they didn't have the same level of faith in him and respect. And, and so, in fact, some were offended at him. And so the scripture says that he couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, that seems like a lot to me, but, uh, but Jesus couldn't do what he normally could do in some of the other towns there. And then the story goes on and Jesus sends out his disciples two by two into the neighboring towns to minister in the same way that he had been ministering. He commissions them to do it. He says, go preach the gospel, heal the sick. Uh, and uh, so the, he sends them into the towns two by two by faith, not taking much with them. And so they go out and they start to minister. And then we read a little bit on and it says that John the Baptist, who was the forerunner, of course, of Jesus, the one who would prepare the way for Jesus, who had gained now quite a following with his preaching, says that John the Baptist had become a threat to Herod, to King Herod, and King Herod had him killed, had him beheaded. So, of course, people were mourning the loss of John the Baptist. And so there's much going on here. And, and, and then the disciples come back from their little ministry trip around towns. And they want to report back to Jesus all that they had done and all that they had taught. And that's where we pick up this story. And it says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 32. <clears throat> the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. 
Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now listen, we're going to be talking in this message about uh, giving of ourselves, giving of what we have to others, to serve others. But I, we want to make sure that it's clear at the beginning of this, as Jesus does at the beginning of this story, that we have to be careful not to overlook the necessity of rest. Don't overlook the necessity of rest. It's so critically important. Listen, the work of the ministry is consuming. After these apostles had gone out and taught, they're eager to get back and tell Jesus all that had happened. But it says that there were so many people coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever been in that spot where you're so busy that you don't even have time to stop and have lunch because you're just moving, you're, you're going hard. And that's what's happening here with the disciples and with Jesus. And Jesus says, come, come by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Get away from the people for a little bit. And Jesus understood the necessity of rest and the value of it. Sometimes we think that we're too busy to rest, but really we're too busy not to rest. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes we feel like rest, especially if we're talking with Jesus, it has to be really productive, devotional, Bible reading session, and that we can't just rest with Jesus. But sometimes he, he wants us just to rest and recharge. Yeah, it reminds me, when I took a sabbatical a few years back, uh, it had been a bit busy season in ministry and just a busy season in life. We were going through some things. And I had a counselor who kind of guided this sabbatical for me. And one of the things he said to me, he said, Chris, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a day with Jesus, take an entire day and just enjoy Jesus for a day. And I thought, this, this sounds great. And so I, I decided I was going to go up in the hills. I love to get up in the hills and I was going to hike on this trail up to this remote mountain lake. I've been on this lake a number of times and I'd never seen anybody there before. So I thought this is a perfect place. So I, I bought a little pup tent, like a little two-man tent. A pink one. Yeah, I didn't realize when I bought that tent that it was pink. But anyway, so I, I took it up there. I hiked up the trail. I got to the lake. Nobody on the lake had the whole lake to myself. Set up my little pink tent. That was going to be my little devotional spot, right? I was going to spend my time with Jesus. I had my Bible. I had my uh, notebook. And um, my counselor said, listen, Chris, go up there and don't have any agenda. So I just went up. I, I, I put that stuff in the tent and I sat there and I started to pray. I read some scripture, journaling, writing down some thoughts there, you know, just trying to be quiet with Jesus, trying to spend this day with Jesus. But I had also brought my fly rod. <laughs> so I kept looking out at the lake and thinking, you know, there's fish in there. So I'd, I'd go out of my little tent and I'd, and I'd cast my fly in and I was catching fish and it was great. But then I'd, I'd think, ah, I'm supposed to be spending this time with Jesus. You know, I feel a little guilty. So I'd put it down and go back into my little pink tent and I'd spend my time and I'd pray and I'd journal. And I was, you know, trying to hear from God and, 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 the, and the lake was calling me. I'd see the fish jumping out there. So I'd go back out and I'd cast again and I remember Really clearly in that moment, Jesus saying to me, Chris, why can't I just go fishing with you? Why can't you just enjoy being with me? And it, it, it struck me 
And, and it helped me understand just how performance-oriented, how agenda-oriented I am, that even in my time with Jesus, even, even just the ability to just enjoy the presence of Jesus was tough. The ability to rest is tough because I always felt like, oh, I got to get some nugget. I got to get some insight out of my time. I got to get something from him. And I think, what if, what if my time with Lisa, my wife, was always like, oh, I, I just got to get something out of this. That would be just a really lame relationship. And Jesus just wanted me to just enjoy being with him. We need to just rest and just be with Jesus and rest. He wants to be with us. Listen, not only is ministry consuming, but life is consuming. You got work, you got kids, uh, even having fun with friends is great, but sometimes you just get tired. And now we're in this season, parents. I know you are having to juggle distance learning, uh, online learning, it's busy. But still, you need to find times of rest. It may mean you have to say no to some things, but you've got to rest. It's so critically important. And rest is, is not only important for our emotional and our, our mental and our spiritual selves. It's also really, really important for our physical selves. And, and this is something I learned um, more than a year and a half ago. I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I had a great team of doctors up at Seattle Cancer Care. And one of the things they <clears throat> provided for me was a nature path. And so I was really excited because I'm into the supplements and vitamins and all that. So um, I, go, I go with my bag. See, there's when you're getting treatment, uh, they're literally trying to kill you with the chemo. So they don't, <laughs> they don't want anything to interfere with Not, what they're trying they to do. They don't really want that to be the end well, goal. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, all but kill you, I should say. <laughs> And so I knew that I, they had to approve my list of vitamins and stuff. So I had this pretty good-sized bag of vitamins. But before that, they had us do a questionnaire of my habits. And she stopped at the part where my sleep, I was getting about three to five hours of sleep a night. And I was pretty proud of that, that that's all I needed. <laughs> and she said, honestly, she goes, I don't even care about that. And she's pointing to my bag. I don't even know if she looked at any of my supplements. She goes, because that doesn't mean anything. Because unless you get rest, this, you're not going to have success with your treatment. She goes, you've got to get rest so your body can heal. Your body heals when you rest, when you sleep. Yeah. So Jesus said, listen, come away by yourselves to a solitary place and rest a while. And then in verse 33, he continues and he says, so... But, well, let me, let me back up. So, so they get in a boat and they're going to start moving across this lake. And verse 33 then says, But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, it's just a few hours sail across this lake. So Jesus is in this boat sailing across the lake, but it was actually faster to run around the end of the lake to get to the other side. And so these people from all the towns are seeing Jesus and his disciples in this boat. They know Jesus as this miracle worker, this great teacher. They want to get over there and head him off at the pass. And uh, there are more people actually in the town at that time because it's around the Passover time. So they're all these people headed to Jerusalem. And so they all get over there ahead of them. And I think about this and I think, what must the disciples have been feeling as they saw the people getting to their solitary place before they got to it? What must have they been feeling? Uh, this was their time to rest. They were supposed to be going to a quiet place. <laughs> and all these people are there. It's going to be far from quiet, and it's certainly not going to be solitary. And uh, these people that were coming to, to meet them on the other side were interrupting their time. 
It reminds me of a time when Lisa and I were going to be going on vacation. Our kids were pretty small at the time. We were headed on vacation. Uh, and on the way out of town, we needed to stop at the grocery store. And Lisa was just going to run in for a second and pick something up. So I'm out there in the car with the kids. She's going to take a minute because she's going to get one thing. She's running in there, coming right back out. So she goes in and we're waiting in the car and, you know, it's fine. And then it takes a little longer and takes a little longer. I'm starting to think, how long can it take to just get one thing? You know, this is our vacation. We need to be on our way. And it's going longer and longer. And finally, I just got impatient and I got out of the car and I went into the store after. Listen, husbands, that's always a bad idea to get out of the car and go in after. But I did. I'm like, it's just taking too long. I'm going to go fix this problem because this is our time. This is our vacation time. I go into the store I'm looking for. I finally see her. And what's she doing? She's standing with a woman from our church and she's listening with compassion and ministering to her. This lady literally, her, she's crying. And, and I would love to say as a pastor of this lady that I had great compassion, but all I had on my mind was this is our time to be on vacation. And that lady could have been bleeding from the top of her head and I would be like, she's interrupting our time, which is terrible because I didn't have the heart of Jesus. But sometimes we feel like, you know, these people are interrupting our time. And I think that's probably a little how the disciples were feeling. This was supposed to be their quiet time with Jesus, but these people were interrupting their time. I think the rest is really important. And once we are rested, uh, then it's at that time that we're able to learn the heart of Jesus by being with him, by spending time with him. Um, I love Henry Blackaby, uh, what he had said in his, his book, Experiencing God, is this, if you want to know the will of God, watch what Jesus is doing and join him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we kind of hear what God is saying is we watch him. Um, I love in verse 34, Jesus, he says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Here they, they were in a remote place to rest, but the only rest they really got was on the boat. <laughs> Does anybody like me, like if you're busy and there's people all around and it's just hectic, you find an excuse to get in your car and just go just to get away. Maybe you don't really have to do it, but you just need to get a little space. I, I sort of feel like that's what's happening with the disciples. They're just getting in their boat and getting away from the crowd for a bit. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Jesus, in, in his compassion, because that's who he is, he saw their need for guidance. I get so easily irritated when my plans get interrupted um, instead of seeing the heart behind that interruption. And here Jesus refers to the crowd as sheep. And sheep, we're not the, they're not the smartest animals. And a lot of times we aren't either. We're not, <laughs> we're not that bright. And we desperately need our shepherd. We get so hung up on offenses and injustices um, for sin, both what people have done against us, but even our own sin. We get so hung up on that. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't identify us as our sin. Mm. He, he sees the sin, but he doesn't see the sin as me, or he doesn't see the sin as you. He separates that. And, and that's how he can love us. He's just not the sin. He hates the sin. We can love those who have hurt us, just not the sin that they have done against us. I know that for me, when I'm just tired or burnout or I've just been too busy, uh, I, can, I can unfortunately... Uh, sometimes see people, the very people that Jesus calls me to love and minister to as a distraction. And that's why I know that I need rest because rest gets us back into the right perspective to give us Jesus' perspective. The crowd was so hungry for what Jesus had to offer. Uh, Things like forgiveness, acceptance, uh, a promise of a better future. 
I love what John 10.10 says in the second part of the verse. It says, Jesus came to give life and he gave gave it more abundantly. But the first part of that verse says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm. And um, so Jesus here, he dispels the lies of the enemies that, that so easily come into our heads and our minds. I, and so to counter that, I remember the scriptures like in Psalms 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, Psalms 103, and when we're thinking about things that we've done wrong or, or just fearful times, says he's forgiven all of my sins. He's healed all of my diseases. He redeems me from death. And he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. And I love that. And then there's a verse tucked away in Psalms 139, verse 2, that says, it really hit me. It says, you know my my thoughts even when I am far away. And that's in the New Living Translation. Sometimes when we're so far from God, when our heart is hard or cold, we feel like God doesn't even see us or even recognize what we're doing, good or bad. Um, And he does. And, and the question I have to ask is, do others see what I have to offer? Is it, is it that evident? For, um, for some, we, we need to receive God's grace first for us before we can give it away. Because we can't give something away that we don't have yeah. ourselves. I love that because here Jesus had everything the crowd needed. You know, they needed that hope. They needed that forgiveness. They needed that life. And Jesus knew they needed it. They were like sheep without a shepherd. The apostles here were forced to join uh, Jesus and give up their own plans that, that Jesus had actually laid out for them. And that's why it was important for the, the apostles to get a little rest, maybe on the way there with Jesus and spend time with Jesus. This is really important for us to understand that Jesus will often let the, let the needs of the shepherdless dictate the agenda of our times with him. Let me just say that again. Jesus will often let the needs of the shepherdless dictate the agenda of our times with him. And, and if we've been in church for a long time, sometimes we can get irritated at that, you know, because we think, you know, maybe they haven't given as much as you have or, or maybe they haven't deserved it somehow or, or uh, you think you've earned priority time with Jesus. I've been faithful to church every week and, you know, I've been giving and I've been serving in this area and I've been serving in that area. And sometimes we just forget that we too have been lost and wandering. We too are sheep that need a shepherd. And, uh, and there are times where we just think this, this is our time to be fed, but we need to watch Jesus at the compassion he has for the shepherdless. So the disciples are now asking, what now? So, so not only are they put off by their, ear, their interruption, they're hungry, they're really hungry. Verse 35 and 36 says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now, I don't know if you read scripture this way, but when I read scripture, I picture it in my head and some parts of scripture are so funny to me. This is one of those verses that it just strikes me as so funny when I picture it because get this picture. So the, the crowd is all there, thousands of people. We know it's thousands of people. The disciples are there. Jesus is teaching them. And it says, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. Now, I, I, I try to imagine what did that scene look like? We know from the book of John that it was Philip who ultimately told Jesus, you know, hey, send the crowds away. But I wonder, what did that scene look like? Like, Philip is, is 
thinking, I gotta, we got to go stop this. He's been just going a long time. Andrew is saying, Philip, you got to go tell him. Look how late it is. Like, these people are hungry. We're, We're hungry. And, and I imagine Peter sort of behind Philip, like pushing him, like, come on, do it. Go do it. And, and Philip actually goes up to Jesus while he's teaching these thousands of people and says, uh, Jesus, excuse me, but it's kind of like should probably, we should probably let these people go. And, and can you imagine, like, if Pastor Aaron is preaching up here and it's a Sunday and he's going a little long, right? It's get cutting into your lunchtime and, and somebody just walks up from the congregation and just goes, ah, Pastor Aaron, we should probably let these people go. Like, who would do that? But this is what's happening here. And, and Lisa and I have this little, this little cue that if we've been, you know, going for a long time, it's been a busy day, or we've been with people, or maybe it's at the end of the day and people just kind of lingering, hanging around, and we're just tired, we, we make this statement. We say, we, we should really let these people go. Yeah, we, we should really let these people go. What that really means is we really want to go, but we try to do it in a noble way. We should really let these people go. And that's kind of what the disciples, I think, are doing here. It's late in the afternoon. They're in a desolate place. His disciples figured these people are probably getting hungry. Apparently, they were hungry too. And, and they say these words, send them away. Send them away. Now, this might have seemed like the practical solution. It might have seemed like a noble solution. You know, these people are probably hungry. We should let them go. And, and maybe they felt like, you know, they aren't our responsibility. They need to just go take care of themselves. But I think we have to sometimes pause and ask ourselves the question. Is there anything I do in my attitudes, in my actions, in my tone, in my words that says to the shepherdless, that says to people who really are in need, send them away. Send them away. Let them take care of themselves. On, here they are. They're on their way to the Passover, right? They're on their way to the Passover. They had the Lamb of God in front of them. He's the bread of life. But they didn't even know it. Listen, we have what the shepherdless crowd is looking for. The story goes on in verses 37 through 44. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they find out, they said, well, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in the groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, and the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. The thing that, that struck me most in this story years and years ago was the very phrase that Jesus said, you feed them. Um, with what? You know, we, we're so used to looking at what we don't have instead of looking to see what we do have. In, in this case, um, you know, they had Jesus right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has all the resources we need. He, he 
he blazes the trails for us. We look at our worldly resources in a very tangible way, but God gives us heavenly resources. I love um, the passage in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, talking about weapons. It says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. So what do you have? In other words, focus on the positive, not on the obstacles in front of us. So, so what they had, the, what, what Mark tells us is they had two fish and they had five loaves. But when we look at the story in other gospels, in John, it says that they were two small fish and that they were five barley loaves. So not only did they have not very much to feed all these people, but what they had was even poor, right? So not only two fish, but two small fish. Not only five loaves, but five barley loaves. Barley, was the, barley loaves were the poorest of bread, often used to just feed animals. So not only did they have something small, but they had something that they felt like it wasn't much to offer. And sometimes we can feel like, wow, we don't have much to offer. And what we have, we're not very, it's not very good. Yeah. Uh, for us, what do we have that somebody else needs? Sometimes it's just a smile or just love, acceptance, um, a backyard, a barbecue grill. Uh, right now with the, with the homeschooling needs, maybe we can help some frantic moms and dads with their homeschooling. Or, or maybe there's a mom that just needs a break from her kids. We can go and watch the kids or take the kids for a few hours. There's, there's a lot that we can do. We might think that what we have is poor and small, but with Jesus, it's more than enough. Yeah, Jesus blesses the food. And uh, he, he, he's breaking the bread and I can't, help but think that Jesus is thinking about the Passover, which they're all on their way to, where, they're, where they have this Passover meal. He's thinking about this moment, but he's also thinking about the day that's coming, where Jesus will sit in the room with his disciples at that last supper. And Jesus will take the bread and he will take the cup, Jesus himself being the Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb. And Jesus will say, this is my body, which is broken for you. And Jesus takes this bread, this loaf, and he lifts it up to heaven and he breaks the loaf. And, I, and, and here he is, the Lamb of God, the bread of life right in front of them. And he starts giving the bread and the fish to his disciples to give to everyone. He just had five loaves and two fish. And I, I always wonder, what did that scene look like? Like he gives the, he, he runs out of the five and then it's like, you know, another one just appears. What does that look like? It's so cool. But Jesus is more than enough for what we need. Yeah, Jesus never said, I'll give them something to eat. He said, you give them something to eat. Yeah. Jesus would be the provision, but they would feed the people. Yeah. See, with, with Jesus, you have everything you, need to, everything you need to do what God has called you to do because he is more than enough. Yeah, everything we need to do the, what God has called us to do. He is, he's more than enough. Listen, we're living in a time where it's easy to see what we can't do. It's easy to see what we don't have right now. Uh, we, we can't even gather as a church right now. And we, we can't go out like we used to. Our kids, you know, can't go to school. We yeah, are wear these wearing these masks, right? So uh, we can't have the hugs and handshakes like we're, we, like we're used to. Lisa and I have had to cancel our own vacation plans. Twice. Twice. The same one. During this time. Uh, maybe your own business or your company is struggling or suffering or maybe your security or your job is in jeopardy. We understand it's hard. It's hard. There's much right now that maybe we don't have or maybe we can't do. 
But Jesus maybe is just asking us to flip the perspective instead of what don't I have to what do you have? Go and see. That's what he asked the disciples. What do you have? Go and see. And if you give that to him, he'll bless it. And then he can bless others and he'll multiply it. So it will be more than enough. Listen, it's, it's most often when we're with Jesus and when we're on the mission that we see the miracles happen. And that's what happened with the disciples. So Jesus here is very generous because he says he fed the people until they were, they were full. I mean, they, they didn't need any more. Also afterwards, how many baskets were left over? There were, there were 12. 12. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. What a coincidence. 12, 12 disciples. Yeah. 12 yeah. baskets. And it was, you know, they, the disciples even there had more than enough for them. It can be easy right now to focus on what we don't have or what we can't do, what we used to do, uh, what we used to have. And maybe it's not just about now, but may, perhaps maybe it's, it's years of feeling inadequate about ourselves. Mm. Um, Jesus wants to, wants to take that away. Um, instead, if we hear the voice saying, what do you have? And whatever that is, we give it to him. He blesses it. He gives it back to us and multiplies it to be more than enough to do what he's asked us to do. Amen. Amen. Can we pray? We'd love to just pray with you as we close. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you are our provider. Lord, that you are all we need. And Lord, we're in this moment in history that is interesting and strange and different. But Lord, you never cease being more than enough for us. And Lord, there may be people who are hearing this message that may identify with the crowd. They feel like sheep without a shepherd. Lord, they're, they're struggling with being hungry not only physically hungry, but they're hungry for what Jesus has to offer and they're just desperate to hear. And Lord, I pray for those who, who feel like they're sheep without a shepherd, God, that they would find you as their shepherd. And Lord, there may be some who identify with those disciples who just need rest, who need a break, who are just tired. Lord, I pray you'd help them to find rest, but I also pray you'd help them to see, help all of us, help me, God, to see through the eyes of Jesus and that we would have compassion on those who are in need, recognizing we too are in need and help us to realize that Jesus, the bread of life, the Passover lamb is right in front of us. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on each one watching and listening. You'd strengthen them and that they would take inventory, that they would go and see what they have. They'd offer that to you and see it multiplied so they can do what you've asked them to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, New Hope Eugene. We love you.